Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. So we, last week, we kicked off uh, a new series on Resurrection Sunday called Musical Chairs, and that's why I have all of these chairs up here on the stage with me, and we've been looking at this concept uh, of that life isn't about um, trying to take care of yourself. It's about resting in, in Jesus, resting in what he has done. Uh, we're all familiar with the old elementary school game of musical chairs. However many people there are, there's minus one chair. And, and you, you go around the chair in circles. Somebody's playing some music. And then when the music stops, man, there's the mad dash to find yourself a seat. And you will push your mama to the ground to make sure you have a spot to rest, to make sure that you're not the loser when all the dust settles. And the truth is, is that that mindset kind of has crept into all of life. And it's amazing as we have, as a culture, have dealt with this pandemic, um, that we see that that's kind of has come out in us as we just kind of all kind of uh, just strive to make sure we've got ourselves and, and the people in our household taken care of. But that is not what God has called us to do. As the children of God, as the people of God, we ought to be responding and living differently than the way the world is responding. It's in these moments that our hope in Christ gives us an anchor to our soul, to our mind, our will, and our emotions, and allows us to genuinely respond in a new and living way. We kicked off this series, and we'll look at this each week, that, that Jesus understood our humanity, and he understood the, the battle that we faced in dealing with the issues of, of just trying to make sure that we're not left out. And so that we're not the, the, the losers. And we get caught up in these cycles. And Jesus responds to that in Matthew 11, verse 28. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He recognizes we're all on a journey. We're all trying to get somewhere. And he begins a redirect. He says, come to me. You're headed somewhere. Um, come this direction. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My burden isn't going to wear you out. And as he saw that we just so often try to just, in life, make sure we're not left out. We want to distinguish ourselves. We want to make sure that when, when it all matters, people know we have something to contribute. We have something that makes us special. But, and because we understand that it's the people who have something to contribute. It's the, it's the talented. It's the gifted. It's, the, it's these people. Those are the ones that don't get left out. Every, the other people that don't have as much to contribute, maybe they get left out. We want to make sure that we are set apart and that we're able to, to have, bring something to the table. And we, we are scrounging and, and looking all the time to make sure we have something that sets us apart so we're not left out. Now this morning, 
I'm taking advantage of the fact uh, that as sad as it makes me that I don't get to see you face to face right now, that, I, that I'm in your living room and I'm, I'm in your personal space right now, um, that we're going to have to see after the 40, and I'm going to have to deal with the jokes about this story. But this story is going to be able to, I think, help you be able to, to understand um, some of the stuff. Because uh, last week, if you were with us, uh, I was very open about the idea that I, I'm the truth, that I'm not athletic. And, you know, and as a little boy, um, you know, you play games and all that. You want to be the fastest and you want to be able to do that. And as I began to, to understand, that's not me. I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the most coordinated. I wasn't going to be the star on the team. But there's this, still this place that that you want to be able to stand out. And it begins to show up in, 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 in odd, weird places. And you just get excited when you feel like you've got some sort of particular skill set or something that you can really bring to the table. Well, growing up in the Clark household, um, on our birthdays, we got to choose wherever we wanted to eat. And I grew up in Odessa. And any restaurant in Odessa Midland area, they were all fair game. And then when you got to that restaurant, whatever was on the menu was fair game. And so for a kid, I mean, that was awesome. You know, you weren't handed the coloring page with the kid's meal and had to choose between the strips and the hamburger and the mac and cheese. You got to choose whatever you wanted. So it was a big deal. You got to choose the restaurant you went to. So in Odessa, back in the 80s, um, the restaurant may still be there. I don't know if it's lived up to its prior glory. But back when I was a kid in the 80s, there was a good place to get a steak in Odessa, Texas called The Barn Door. It was there on Andrews Highway, and it, had a, it sounded like a place with sawdust on the floor, but it actually was a little more elegant than that back in the 80s, and it had the nice tablecloths and some of the little alcoves that you could kind of hide in and have your, your table back in there. And so I chose Barn Door for my birthday, and I wanted to go, and, and that's, in fact, that's the place that I fell in love with steak, where I got my first medium steak. It wasn't ruined like Keenan makes them well done, and he, he orders jerky. No, it had some, some, some blood in it, and it was good. And so I was able to, to do that and order that. Well, at the barn door back then, they had, part of what set them apart is there you would get seated and and then they would bring out this big block of cheese, this big old block of cheese, and they would set it on your table. And it had obviously been carved on by previous patrons. Other people had sat there. Uh, you know, today in coronavirus, that sounds kind of creepy. I mean, do you spray Lysol on a block of cheese? How do you disinfect a block of cheese? The block of cheese that had once sat on somebody else's table is now on your table. I don't know, but you know what? In the 1980s, we didn't care. And so we didn't wear seatbelts or helmets or any of that stuff. We ate cheese off of blocks that had been on somebody else's table. And so they brought out the cheese, and then they made these incredible rolls that bring out hot. So you would take the cheese slicer that was provided, and you'd just slice you off a piece of cheese, stick it there, and it was all you could just get full on that, and which I think was actually their master plan. So I was sitting there, and I got to be able to slice that it sliced that, some of that cheddar off of there. And as I was doing it, you wanted to get just the perfect, you wanted the perfect slice. And as you're doing it, it would, it would be uneven pressure and you, it would break before you got to the end or it would be uneven and you could like see it through a paper thin. And you just wanted the perfect, the perfect piece. 
So I started at one end of the block, and I'm pulling it across, and I get the perfect slice. The perfect slice. I'm in the restaurant. I'm standing up and have, have my perfect slice. I'm there with my family as a, as a 10 or 11-year-old boy, and I boldly declare because I have found something I am good at, and I boldly declare to my family, I was born to be a cheese cutter. And, of course, my whole family buzz up laughing. My dad is laughing so hard, and I'm like, what? This, are you kidding? This is perfect. And I didn't even realize that in this place of me wanting to find glory in, in my perfectly cut cheese that I did not think about the fact that, yeah, what you're laughing about in your living room right now, there's another way to look at that. Nobody wants that t-shirt. I was born to be a cheese cutter. And the truth is that we can get we so desperately want to have something that sets us apart that we will grab a hold and begin to find identity and get stuff and not realizing that there's a negative consequence. There's another side of this. And we begin, every time we begin to grab a hold of ourselves, we by default are not grabbing a hold of God. Every time we begin to try to lean on our own strength, every time we lean on our own talents and what we bring to the table, we are by, by default ignoring what God has brought to the table, what God has done. And so we need to make sure that in all of our doing, all of our scrounging, all of our games we play in life to try to set ourselves apart, to try to have some glorious moment that makes us significant so that we're not left out, that we don't push God out in the middle of this, that we want to somehow be defined by our most spectacular moments. And then if I can have a couple of spectacular moments, then that will make sure I am not left out. In fact, most of social media, YouTube, TikTok, all of the different stuff, Instagram, and people are trying to have their moment do something different, witty, in a different way to get the likes and get the attention to feel special for a moment when the truth is in our desperate desire to not be left out, we forget that the truth, that in Christ we are not left out. In Christ we're not. God has brought us near in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 says, but now in Christ. Maybe it wasn't always this way. It certainly wasn't. But now in Christ, Jesus <coughs> who once, but now in Christ, Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There was a point when humanity was far away and there was this residual thing that says that that's still the case, but it's not. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ. We celebrated the truth that Jesus won the victory over death, hell, and the grave last Sunday. And we have to live in the truth of that every day, every week. I want us to see this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Now, for those of us who are the children of God, who, who, are, who are actively pursuing a life in Christ, we say yes to this. Maybe you're there sharing a living room with somebody you care about and you're just kind of watching this and connecting and you don't know about that. You don't know if Jesus really is 
the Son of God. Maybe you are on the fence on this. Maybe this idea that Jesus had the fullness of the deity in bodily form, maybe you're still on the fence on that. But for those of us who have already said yes to that and embraced it, we say yes. This is one of the bedrock truths of our faith, that Jesus was, had all of the, the, the fullness of the deity in bodily form. And if we say yes to that, then folks, we have to say yes to the next thought that comes in the exact same breath, the exact same pen, the exact same flow. Because the very next thought is that in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. If you're gonna say yes, that Jesus is the fullness of the deity in bodily form, you have to say yes, that you've been brought to fullness in Christ. Quit speculating, am I, have I, did it happen? No, it says if we embrace that part, we have to embrace the fullness of it. You've been brought to fullness. You've been brought to fullness in Christ. You have, and he's the head over every power and every authority. And so we have to understand, that's why we spend so much time talking about it and looking at who Jesus is and what he has done in our life because as we discover who Jesus is, we begin to discover the fullness of who we really are because when we become alive in Christ, we are in Christ and we are alive and it changes everything about life, but we have to understand who he is and so many times we don't want to really pause and figure that out. See, Psalms 46.10 says, but be still and know that I am God. Uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and say this. Um, I in no shape, form, or fashion believe uh, that God is behind this pandemic at all. Uh, uh, the enemy came to steal, kill, and to destroy. Um, this pandemic is stealing, killing, and destroying. Economies, lives, families, livelihoods. <clears throat> people, are, there's, people are dying. That is not the work of God. But Jesus said, that he's come that we may have life and we may have it to the full. Folks, as we are dealing with life still on this planet, we're not in heaven yet. And so many times we get irritated that we're not in heaven yet, but we're not. And so since we're not in heaven yet, we're gonna see stuff that represents hell itself at times. And this pandemic is one of those things. But in the middle of that, we have hope in Christ and so in a lot of people who are seen with a side benefit, because no matter what the enemy does, God can bring good out of it. And one of the good is the fact that our, for us, who are the children of God, our daily routine has been interrupted, and we've been able to be still a little more and grow in our relationship with God. I want to encourage you. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of the fact you got a little more downtime. You've watched more Netflix than you have an entire year in this last couple, in the last couple of weeks. Let's pause the Netflix. Let's just spend a little quiet time with God. Just spend a little extra time with him. And begin to know that he is God and know that he is present. Begin to understand who he is. Because once we begin to grow in that, that begins to transform the fullness of our lives. John Chapter 6, verse 28 says, and, and then they asked him, because this pressure to want to do is so strong within us, says they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Now this is asked by the Jewish people, by the religious leaders. They're already doing. 
You would think they wanted to say, what can we peel off of this thing? What's not really super important? We kind of want to like make this a little easier. No, they're trying to dial it up. Doing and focusing on doing always yields more doing. Trying to, to justify who you are by performance only creates more performance. That's all it ever does. And so it says, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered this. The work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. The work is to believe. Believe in the one that he has sent. Believe that God sent Jesus. And that Jesus did the work. That when Jesus says, it's finished, it's finished And we rest in him. We don't have to get in the cycle that we see over and over and over again. We've got a new place to rest. There's something outside of the game. We have a new thing that there's a victor. There's a crown already won. And we can rest in that place. See, we can be confident of our relationship with God because of Jesus. That is where our confidence is. It isn't that, you know what, that even in the middle of pandemic, I, I, I tune in on Facebook or on the website, and, and I am connected with church. God, see, I'm doing good over here in the middle of this. No, we're not connected. If you're connected here for that reason, it's not accomplishing what you think it's accomplishing. The point for us to gather is to be able to connect and to love on one another and to grow in what he's done for us, not to win some sort of galactic brownie points with God. The the whole point is to grow our confidence is because of what he has done. And folks, in a time when our confidence is shaken in so many different things, we need to go back to the only thing we can be confident in, and that is in our relationship with God. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12 says, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. We've not seen the end of this yet. We've not seen how everything is going to unplay. But our faith is is in the fact that God is going to carry us through, that we have promise after promise that he won't leave us or forsake us. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. Guess what? We're all going through some trouble. But take heart, he has overcome the world. Our faith is what is, is hangs on to that. Later on in Hebrews 11, we get into verse 6, and it says, And without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him, remember, it's just believe. Believe that he's done it. Receive what he has done. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who pursue him, who turn our eyes away from the game and onto him, and that everything we could ever want is found in that is found in him. We simply have to believe that. And after this, we, you continue to read Hebrews chapter 11. It's commonly referred to as the hall of faith. And this is where the, we have all these heroes of our faith listed out. And we get into them. And they did incredible things. And it talks about the incredible things. And, and I would encourage you to, to take some downtime and read Hebrews chapter 11 and, and see all of the different difficult issues. None of them said by faith they went to Target and bought a soda. No, these are all big 
difficult things that they faced. They were traumatic, troublesome things that they dealt with by faith. So here we are in the middle of a troublesome, difficult thing, and we do it by faith. But let's look at just one of the first ones they talk about. It said Noah. You know, Noah, you know, builds the ark. He's righteous Noah. Him and his family are the only ones that make it through the flood. And and, and in that moment, it's something incredible. And we can take Noah. We go, of course, Noah. And Noah had his moment. Noah played his game. He built the ark. He did his stuff. He did that. Isn't that what makes him all of a sudden? No, it was the fact that he trusted God. And his trust in God allowed him to just follow the directions that God told him. Build a boat. Do this. Do these different things. It was his simple trust in God. Well, then we can almost think that Noah was like this super saint guy. But guess what? After Noah experiences this amazing deliverance, Noah gets back to doing life. Noah plants a vineyard. The vineyard produces, he gets some grapes. Noah takes some grapes and he makes some wine. And he makes some legitimate, real fermented wine. Noah takes some of that wine and he drinks it. And then he drinks another glass. And then he drinks another glass. And Noah gets drunk. Noah, in his drunkenness, gets naked drunk. Noah passes out naked drunk in his tent. And then one of his sons comes in and finds Awesome, super man of God Noah passed out naked drunk in his tent and then thinks it's hilarious and goes and tells his other brothers, say, hey, go check it out. They act with some respect and don't take advantage of their dad's low moment and go in and cover him up and let him sleep it off and begin to deal with life on the other side of it. And they deal with it in a respectful way. But Noah's passed out naked drunk, found that way by, by his son. He did not this perfect guy. Abraham. Abraham, who was believing God for a child with his wife, Sarah, who apparently was good looking. To the point that as they're traveling through, they enter into a land. And this king Abimelech sees his wife, Sarah. And Abraham says, you are too hot. You are too good looking. You need to tell everybody you're my sister because it was a kind of a white lie, you know. She was his half-sister and says, otherwise, they're going to murder me and take you for their wife. So just say you're my sister. And he didn't think that one through very well because then that makes her free game because she's not married to anybody. And so sure enough, Abimelech says, Woo, she is good looking. I'm the king. I want her. And Abraham lets it happen. And his wife gets toted away. And a dream comes to Abimelech. And God speaks to him and says, don't you dare touch her. And then he gets all mad and says, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? And God has to rescue Sarah. Man, going and rescuing your woman? You know how many movies are streaming on Netflix about a guy going to rescue his woman? Nobody makes the movie about, uh, hey, babe, uh, sorry, just go uh, do a brother a solid and, and take care of them. Uh, they're going to kill me. I'm sorry, babe. I love you, but not that much. It's amazing that there was ever an Isaac after this moment. How did Sarah still have any romantic feelings to the guy who kicked her to the curb? I don't, that's the miracle. And so Abraham does that. Abraham's the father of our faith. Abraham did some amazing things, but he had some ridiculously low moments. Isaac does the same thing with his wife. 
And you see this unhealthy family pattern exist inside it. So many times when you say, well, I've, there's been a drinking problem. There's been unhealthy relationships. There's been unhealthy family patterns in my life. <clears throat> Jacob, he cowardly lied all the time about so many different things. Uh, Sarah, when she, when she was about to get pregnant, she laughed at God and not the cute little, oh, ho, ho, God, you're so cute, you're so funny. No, she laughed, mocking laughed at God. And God's like, hey, you just watch this time next year. To the point that Isaac, her son's name, actually means laughter. Joseph was a little arrogant, spent time in jail, lied to his brothers, and he is in the hall of faith. Moses murdered a man, and he's in the hall of faith. The Israelites, the people, they complained, they built a, an idol, they did all sorts of things. They are in, as collectively, in the hall of faith. The prostitute Rahab, that's why the hall of faith calls her the prostitute Rahab. I don't think we even have to talk about what may be surprising about the fact that she's in the hall of faith. Gideon had massive self-doubt issues. Samson was a womanizer, and he was arrogant. David was an adulterer and a murderer. All of these people are in the hall of faith. They're all in the hall of faith. Here's the thing is that when, as soon as we let go of the idea that our, our most spectacular moment isn't going to make sure we're in. As soon as we let go of that, then, then all of a sudden there's the idea that our most regrettable moment is gonna leave us out. Especially today in our cancel culture that we're seeing across the board. And there have been some terrible things done by some people of power and some people in entertainment that need to be held accountable. But we have, our society has become so incredibly judgmental outside of Christendom that somebody can have an entire body of work that culture has embraced and decided is funny or entertaining or whatever, and there's something that's incredibly regrettable comes out and they just want to erase that person completely. And see, and the thing is, is that that mindset comes into us with God that Maybe if it's not about how great I perform, maybe, maybe it's about my low moments. And here's the thing. I love it that the hall of faith, where we celebrate their high moments, the scriptures are where we find out about the low moments. It's not some side history book that does this expose on the hall of faith. The scriptures tell us everything I just told you about those people. The scriptures tell us. It's very open about the truth. That this is not about our high moments or our low moments. It's about the way we tr simply place our faith in Christ, in Christ alone. It's in Christ that we're not left out. See, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, these people who did awesome acts of faith but also had spectacularly messed up lives at, uh, at times, there are great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles because they can say, can point to us that sin can easily entangle. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith or the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you not grow weary 
and lose heart. See, remember we started this whole thing with come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. The scriptures tell us to keep our eyes on Jesus or else we will find ourselves right back in that weary and worn out state and we'll begin to lose heart. In the middle of all of what we're dealing with, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. It's not about our spectacular moments. It's not about our low moments that we're embarrassed of. This is about keeping our eyes on Jesus. We're going to walk through this together, keeping our eyes on Jesus. God is going to reveal to us himself as we keep our eyes on Jesus. See, Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now it's a time of need. It's a time of need for us as individuals, as families, as churches. And we just come to him with, with boldness. Not because of us, but because of him. And there are times of need that are no fault of our own, like the pandemic. And there are times of need that sometimes are very much our fault of us. We know it was our bad decisions, our poor responses, different issues in life. But guess what? We come to him with confidence in our time of need because he has drawn near to us. See, our bottom line is this, is that since we are in Christ, we are not left out. We're not. We're fully his. We're fully in. And as we grow in who we are in Christ, that is when we begin to understand the fullness of what life looks like. Because when we, as we are fully in him, life continues to truly grow. See, resting in Jesus is where all of life's wins are found. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.